Good morning, everybody. Everybody in this section gets the benefit of the sun shining this morning. You picked the best seats in the house. We'll all enjoy it when we go out later. It's good to see you all. I feel like it's been a long time since I've been up here bringing the word. (laughs) But I'm excited. I'm excited. I feel like God has um, a word for us today. I know he does every single week. Um, But today I'm actually going to kick off um, a two-part message. And uh, yeah, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it. I want to talk about comparison. Comparison is the act or instance of comparing. We've all done it, and it has been done to all of us at some point or another. Sometimes it's healthy and good. For example, comparison shopping. Any shoppers in the house? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. There's a lot of you. You are who makes Halifax's economy. Keep going. (laughs) Comparison shopping is a good thing. Checking prices, quality, making sure that we're getting the best item for our money, um, those hard-earned dollars. I, I love Dollarama. I have to admit, I love Dollarama. But if I want something that's going to last and last for years, I'm probably going to go to Winners instead. A little bit too often sometimes. I like Winners too. Sometimes comparison is good. Sometimes comparison is damaging and hurtful. For instance, having a, a parent compare a child to a sibling. Why can't you be more like your brother? Um, or when we compare our lives to a friend's Instagram feed, and it seems like we never quite measure up. The phrase, keeping up with the Joneses, has been around for a long time in most of the English-speaking world. Um, and it, it means, or it's referring to the comparison to one's neighbor as a benchmark for social class or the accumulation of material goods. These types of comparisons are not good. So today, as I said, I'm kicking off a two-part message called Beyond Compare, and I want us to take a look at whether or not we're falling into a comparison trap, comparing God or ourselves to others in ways that are not healthy. So today, we're going to take a look at who God is and whether we're comparing him in the next week about whether we're comparing ourselves or not. Let's pray. God, I thank you. Lord, for your word. I thank you that it is all that we need, God, that it brings wisdom and truth uh, to us, not just um, from the time in history when it was written, Lord, but for today. And I pray, God, that by your spirit today, I'd be able to effectively communicate what you would have us know about you uh, and not comparing you to others. God, I pray that uh, it would be your words and that you would open each one of our hearts and minds to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Beyond compare. The definition of this phrase, beyond compare, means better or greater than any other. Having no equal. Our God is beyond compare. He is greater than any other. He has no equal. And we're going to look at this today from mostly Isaiah chapter 40. And it gives us a glimpse into this incomparable God that we serve. The first 35 chapters of Isaiah are predominantly prophecies of judgment and warnings to the people. Then it's followed by a few chapters that are pretty historical. Um, 
in, in their documenting King Hezekiah and him seeking after the Lord. And then we see Isaiah begin to bring about more messianic prophecies, starting in chapter 40, describing the sheer vastness of our God, and does it so beautifully in this one. So I'm going to start off with Isaiah 40, verses 12 to 14, and then down to 25 and 26. Who else has held the oceans in his hand? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? I... I I'm going to stop, pause for a second. This isn't in my notes. We went out to the, the prairies a few years ago. Haven't been able to be back there since. And I could not get over how big the sky is. Now, obviously, the sky is the same size. But here and the other places that I lived, there's hills or mountains, and it blocks the view. And in the prairies in the Midwest, um, just the, how huge the skies is, skies is, skies are. And I couldn't measure it with my arms open wide. My eyes couldn't see the peripheral enough. And here it is saying, who else has measured off the heavens with his fingers? And I could just see God going like, eh, yeah, that's about the size of it. And I'm like, wait, this is so vast to us, and yet he can measure it with his fingers. Okay, let me go back. <laughs> who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale. Who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice or teach him? Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instructions about what is good? Did someone teach him what is right or show him the path of justice? No, because he's God. Down to verse 25 and 26, it says, to whom will you compare me? Who is my equal, says the Holy One? Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. We serve a God who is beyond compare. But because we're human and we're created to be curious people, and we want to study and understand things, we tend to compare this omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient God described in Isaiah 40 to people and things that we can understand. And because God desires to know us personally, and he wants us to be able to understand him and to know him, we often see in Scripture comparisons to relationships or attributes that most of us would be able to understand. In this way, we can compare God to the relationships as long as we remember that he is greater and better and has no equal. I'm going to give a few examples of this this morning. For example, we often see in Scripture God referred to as a father, as our heavenly father. A couple of scriptures with this, Romans 8:15 says, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now we call him Abba, Father. 1 John 3.1 says, see how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. So God is our Heavenly Father. We are adopted into this perfect family, completely accepted for who we are, completely loved, and completely forgiven because of his perfect love. God is our Father. But I also love the way that we approach God um, 
in the way that Jesus taught the disciples how to pray in Matthew chapter 6. Just one verse from there. Matthew 6, 9 says, Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, so our Father, may your name be kept holy. Yes, we can, boldly become, we can boldly come before our Father in heaven. We have full access to this incomparable Father God. But in the same sentence, we pray this. May your name be kept holy. That means set apart. His name is higher than any other, beyond compare. And we're to remember this even as he, we address our Heavenly Father. You see, the danger in comparison is that we may have only known the example of an earthly father, and even if he was amazing and present and loving, he's human. I would imagine every father in this room would be the first to admit that they don't always get it right. And their wives would be the second ones. Just kidding. (laughs) Each one of us, we know that we are not perfect, that we're only human. And I can imagine that there are those here in this room today whose father wasn't amazing or present or loving. But we can't compare God, our heavenly father, to our earthly examples and think that that's where he stopped. Remember, he is beyond compare, greater than any other, having no equal. Get to know him personally. Get to know him through his word. Have personal conversations with him. That's called prayer. And find out what his definition of father is. Get back to that in a little bit. Want to look at God, our provider. And he's beyond comparing this role as well. When I first got saved, I realized the other day that that was 30 years ago when I got saved, and I did not get saved as a child. (laughs) I was an adult when I got saved. When I first got saved, we sang this chorus quite often called Jehovah Jireh. And my provider, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And we first see this term in the Bible in Genesis chapter 22. God had fulfilled his promise to Abraham and Sarah uh, and given them a son after many years of barrenness and then asked Abraham to sacrifice him as an offering. He'd been waiting for years for this son. The couple was old when they received the promise and then they waited for years before they actually saw it come to be. And in this, at this time, scholars suggest that Isaac was probably a young adult. He wasn't a, a child anymore when God asked his dad to sacrifice him. Abraham knew God, and he trusted God's faithfulness. And he was following God's request, even though it must have been the hardest thing that he'd ever done. And at the very last moment, God provided a ram for the sacrifice, and he spared Isaac. And I want to look at Genesis 22, verse 14. It says, Abraham named the place Yahweh-Yairah, Jehovah-Jairah, which means the Lord will provide. And to this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. 
And then God clearly tells Abraham the blessing of trusting him to be provider. Verse 15 says, Then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says, Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you've obeyed me. Because of Abraham's trust in God. I don't understand it, but I'm going to trust in God. I'm going to obey what he's asking me to do. And God provides. Abraham could have easily picked up an animal along the way, just in case. Have a backup plan. But he chose to trust God to be provider, and he allowed it to be in God's timing. I so often believe that I'm good with waiting for God to provide, but then I try to demand that he's going to do it on my timetable, not his. He is our perfect provider beyond compare. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. Seek him first. Live righteously, and he will provide. The thing is, God is not always going to provide in the way that we think. We may want someone to give us money, and that might happen, but instead maybe there's an error on a bill that we paid last month, and this month we have a credit on our account. God provides. Maybe we don't know how we're going to get to where we need to go until the next paycheck with the gas that's left in our gas tank, and then all of a sudden realize that we don't have as many errands to run or places to be this week, and it ends up lasting longer. God is able. He does provide for us. Glenn and I actually, for a few years in ministry, um, lived on faith, and if you're not familiar with that term, it means we had no income. And uh, we were still working full-time for God, and he does pay, (laughs) and he pays well. And uh, we came out of that season in our life just as well off financially as we went into that season. And uh, God was faithful, and uh, some of our most blessed times were during those years, for sure, when we were relying completely on God, our provider, the one who is beyond compare. God is also compared in scripture to a protector or a rescuer. There's a psalm written by David, Psalm 18. And verses one to three say, I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise, and he saved me from my enemies. This can also be a difficult role for us to understand the perfection of God, especially if we've been failed by those that we thought would protect us or rescue us. Maybe, maybe someone encountered bullying in school or in the workplace, and the per- person that we thought would stand up didn't, a teacher, a friend, someone, anyone who could come to our defense, but they didn't. Maybe the role as parent, as a protector, wasn't one that you experienced growing up. Maybe even the law enforcement system has not served you well, and I'm sorry for that. 
for every trust that was broken. Every hurt that should have been avoided. But that's not who we see God is as our protector, our rescuer. At some point in our lives, we have all felt like we were under attack. Know that God can be your rock, your fortress, your protector, your rescuer. You know, I remember a few years ago, um, we were at Sun Life at the time over in Dartmouth, and we um, had great relationship with the pastors here at Faith, and we started doing uh, combined services, many of you would remember. And one of those combined services, we came over, and it was a, a season um, in my life, a point in my life where I felt like I was being attacked both spiritually and personally, and uh, it was tough. And we came in, and I was trusting God, trusting God. And the service started, and one of the very first songs, I don't remember if it was the first or second song that we sang, was Reckless Love that we just sang this morning. And I did not ask the team this week to play that song, and I wasn't sure whether to put this story in here, and then when I saw it on the list this this week, I was like, okay, God, thank you. Um, But we came in and we sang that song, and I can remember all of a sudden realizing the truth to the lyrics. There's no shadow, no mountain, no wall, no lie that he would not conquer on our behalf because of his love for us. In that moment, I felt rescued by his great love. Not one bit of my circumstances changed. (laughs) Not at all, but my perspective changed. And I remembered that God is my protector. God is my rescuer. And I can trust in him in that. Going down further in Psalm 18, verses 16 to 19, it says, He reached down from the heavens and rescued me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemies, from those who hated me and were too strong for me. They attacked me at a moment when I was in distress, but the Lord supported me. He led me to a place of safety. He rescues me because he delights in me. God is beyond compare as your protector, your rescuer, because he delights in you. Yes, God is all these things, father, provider, protector, rescuer. He's so much more. He's our healer. He's our teacher, our judge. But we must remember that he's beyond compare. When we think of the best example of any of these relationships or roles, God is so much greater without equal. Sometimes we make these comparisons to relationships that we can understand, But again, we have to realize that the relationships we've experienced on earth are flawed. Just a reflection of the perfect example of incomparable Abba Father, God our provider, God our healer. When we really understand that God is beyond compare, we'll put these comparisons in the right order. It's not comparing God to an earthly father or to our earthly comforter or judge, but we flip that perspective and we begin to compare our relationship to God, not in a condemning way that we can never measure up, but in a freeing way that helps us understand that we can reflect him in every one of these relationships. 
It's freeing. It's the good side of comparison rather than the damaging side. Fathers, you can reflect God the Father to your children by best getting to know him as your heavenly father. Those who are in the healing professions, you can become a reflection of God our healer by first getting to know him as the great physician and studying how he orchestrates all of creation together. Teachers, know him as the great teacher who brought truth with love and reflect that to your students by being an example of the one teacher who's beyond compare. Not that we compare him to the flawed example, but we look to him as the perfect example to reflect. Beyond compare, so great, so vast, absolutely perfect in all of his ways, not far off, sequestered away from us in the heavenly realms, but walking alongside each one of us, being all that we need today and tomorrow. I think this is going to be an example that maybe we could all picture. Picture a young child getting his first bicycle for his birthday. And his father takes him out, and he patiently explains how to get on the bike, how to push off, how to get moving, how to balance, how to pedal, brake, stop. Sometimes the stopping is harder than the get going. He cheers him on and lets his son know that he believes in him. He's a father, a teacher, an encourager. And then maybe the child falls, skins a knee, and then his father, the father, teacher, encourager also becomes the rescuer, the comforter, the healer. We can picture this earthly relationship, but then remove the human aspect from that and replace it with the perfection of God and all of these roles wrapped into one who is beyond compare, greater than any other, having no equal. I love how in Isaiah 40, the description of this incomparable God that I read part of is sandwiched between two passages that are so very personal. And maybe I'm reading more into it than what he, um, he intended, but I want to bring you along with where my mind goes. And uh, when you go home today, I challenge you to study this passage and test it along with me. So back into Isaiah 40. And we're going to go back to the beginning of the chapter, verses 1 to 5 and 9 to 11. Verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Tell her that her sad days are gone and that her sins are pardoned. Yes, the Lord has punished her twice over for all her sins, Listen, it's the voice of someone shouting, clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Fill in the valleys and level the mountains and hills. Straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all the people will see it together. The Lord has spoken. And then down to verse 9. 
It says, O Zion, messenger of good news, shout from the mountaintops, shout it louder, O Jerusalem, shout and do not be afraid. Tell the towns of Judah, your God is coming. Yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in power. He will rule with a powerful arm. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. We have the privilege to carry the good news, the gospel of Jesus, to our city. And as it said, we can speak tenderly and let people know that their sins are forgiven by our God who is perfect in every way. We can go before him and prepare the way, being a light, speaking the truth, being the best reflections of him that we can be in every relationship. And then it says the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all the people will see it together. I love that. We can shout from the mountaintops that our God is coming back again. I love the imagery that he's coming in power, and yet he's carrying the lambs in his arms close to his heart and leading the sheep gently. I love that picture of the power and yet the gentleness. And this contradiction can seem, or this description can seem contradictory, but it underlines that our God is beyond compare. It's only in contradiction when we compare it to the earthly relationships that we know. But God is so much more. This passage exhorting us to tell our world about God, and then it's followed by the descriptions that I read earlier about our God is beyond compare. You see, I believe that this is because when we shout to our city, when we speak tenderly, and we let them know that they can have forgiveness and love, We tell them about his care and his power that they're going to want to know, well, how is this God different then? How is this God different than the other gods that I've heard about or that others have told me that I should follow? How is this God different than this father God different than my father who who abandoned me? How is this God, this healing God that you talk about different than the doctor that says there's nothing else to do but wait? How is God, my protector, different than the one that failed to protect me? We have to know for ourselves that our God is beyond compare, greater, having no equal. Because when we tell them, they will ask. And if we don't know, how will they know? I'm going to get the worship team to come back. Isaiah 40, so begins with this, you know, tell the people that they can have forgiveness. Shout this message that I'm coming from the mountaintops. And God explains how big, how vast, how beyond compare he is. And then Isaiah 40 ends with the following verses, starting at verse 29 to the end of the chapter. And it says, he gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. 
They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. I believe God calls us and commissions us. Then he helps us to understand who he is beyond compare. Reminds us to trust in him, that he is our strength. This call to take the gospel of Jesus to the heart of our city and to the world requires us to know him well, to reflect him well, to fully put our trust in him, to give us strength to walk when it's time to walk, to run when it's time to run, and to soar when it's time to soar. When it seems like the call is too great, that neighbor or coworker or family member seems too hard to reach, too tiresome to bother with anymore, we ask, have we started to put our trust in our own ability to carry the gospel rather than trust in God beyond compare, without equal, who is our strength. I'm going to ask you to stand with me today. I want to pray for you. There's a few few different people that I want to I want to pray for and you might fall into one of these categories maybe you're here today and you're just seeing God as he is as he truly is beyond compare without equal for the first time he is all that I have mentioned and so much more there are so many aspects to God that there's not enough time to cover it all today in one message but most importantly he's also God our savior and the Bible tells me that not one of us has gotten it all right that we have all fallen short that we are all sinners but that there is hope Bible also tells me that there's a cost to sin and that cost is death in the Old Testament, this is why there were sacrifices and burnt offerings. That was, there was a cost to show true repentance. But then God sent his son Jesus, who because he loves us so much, he became that, that sacrifice, that offering for us. He chose to take our place, to pay that price for our sin. And sometimes it doesn't make sense but it's that great love that he has that is so, so beyond compare for each one of us that we can have eternal life. So I'm just going to ask if everybody could close their eyes. If that's maybe you today. And you realize you've heard about God. You've heard him referred to in many different roles. But maybe today as I talk about God the Savior, you'd like to find out more about that. If that's you, could you just raise a hand? I'm not going to ask you to do anything. I just want to know that you're here. 
and that you're wanting to make that decision today. Raise it up high so I can see. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I think there's a few other people here maybe who've started to realize that they've been comparing God to earthly, flawed relationships and expecting him to fail you in the same way, to abandon or hurt or condemn. And that you're realizing that maybe you've been comparing him to an earthly relationship rather than seeing him for the perfect without equal beyond compare God that he is. And again, if that resonates with you, just raise a hand. So many hands. Maybe there's others who know him. You've studied him. You know his ways. You know his attributes. You know who he is. But you've forgotten that there's also a call that you need to shout from the mountaintops that our God is returning and that there's people that need to know that his forgiveness is for them. And maybe there's others that have been shouting from the mountaintops for so long that you feel hoarse and tired and you wonder if you're making any difference at all and maybe you should just give up trying to reflect him to that, that brother, that child, the co-worker that is so difficult some days. I want to pray for you as well. God, I thank you that you are beyond compare. God, I thank you that there is no equal. God, I thank you that no matter how much we study you, for how many years we've followed you, for how how in-depth we can get into your word that there are still new things to learn about you every single day. God, I thank you that, that we can never satisfy our curiosity about you, God, because you are so big, so beyond compare, so unequaled, God. God, I just pray for those this morning. God, the desire to know you as Savior that maybe have never, never prayed for you to come in and to be their savior before. God, I pray that, that you would protect them. God, that that desire to be in relationship with you would grow and deepen, that, that they would understand, God, that it's as easy as admitting, Lord, I'm a sinner. And God, you took my place. You paid the price. God, I, I choose you to be my savior and my Lord today. God, I pray for those that are here today that, that are recognizing that they've been comparing, all right, but it's not looking at you first and then seeing your reflection in others, but God, that they might be looking at a flawed human who maybe isn't even trying to reflect you. And, they, and we can end up beginning to believe that that is your characteristic, God. I pray, God, that you would continue to reveal yourself, Lord, 
God as the perfect father, as the perfect provider, the one who never fails. God as the protector, the rescuer God. God the healer, Lord. God, the teacher, Lord, every aspect of who you are, whoever each one of you, each one of us today, God, needs you to be in our lives, Lord, that we would be able to see you in your glory, without equal, beyond compare. Help us to understand you more. God, to those who've forgotten the call or have just gotten so tired in it, Lord, I pray for new strength, God. I pray for fresh revelation, Lord. God, I pray for power for the weak and strength for the powerless. That, Lord, no matter the age, when we become weak and tired and we fall in exhaustion, that we would put our trust in you. God, that new strength would be found here today. A new strength, Lord, not the strength that we've exhausted, God, but new strength for your people in this place today. God, I pray that in this week we'll be walking. Lord, we'll be running. God, that there will be those that will be soaring this week. God, as we put our trust in you, new strength, God. I thank you for it. I thank you for your word today, Lord. I thank you that you are beyond compare. God, there is no equal. Help us, Lord, to carry you well to our city to our homes, in each one of our relationships, God, that they will know you. In Jesus' name, amen.